It's Friday, January 20th, 2023, and this is Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. I'm Josh Rollerson. Across the U.S., more than 2 million oil and gas wells have been abandoned without being plugged, allowing climate-changing methane gas and other pollutants to vent into the atmosphere unchecked. Nearly 9,000 of those wells are here in Pennsylvania, a number that's growing by the day. And that's just the ones we know about. The real count is likely many times higher, over half a million, in fact, according to DEP estimates. Well, money from the federal bipartisan infrastructure law passed last year will help make a dent. But without tougher bonding requirements on wells, there's little to prevent operators from simply walking away from sites that are no longer profitable, meaning the accumulation of uncapped abandoned wells in Pennsylvania will likely continue to outpace even the most well-funded remediation efforts. To make matters worse, state legislation passed last summer caps financial assurances required of conventional drillers to just a fraction of the actual cost of plugging. So it's clear a lot of heavy lifting is still needed on the policy and funding side. But in the meantime, what's being done on the ground in Pennsylvania to deal with all these orphan and abandoned wells? Well, there's DEP's well plugging program, which due to limited funding in the past, has completed only a few thousand projects in the last 10 years. Apart from that, there's also a few privately run initiatives afoot. One is the Well Done Foundation, a Montana-based nonprofit that funds or finances and oversees all kinds of well plugging projects around the country. It was founded in 2019 by Curtis Shuck, an energy industry veteran who draws on his oil field experience and relationships to get plugging jobs completed, often working with local contractors. I caught up with Curtis on a job last summer in Erie County, where Well Done was just finishing up at a site owned by the French Creek Valley Conservancy. As he explained, the foundation doesn't just plug wells, they're also using carbon offsets and other innovative financial tools to help meet the cost. The Well Done Foundation is a 501c3 a public benefit corporation that was formed in the state of Montana. Uh, and our mission is specifically to identify orphaned and abandoned wells and then plug and abandon them and restore the surface. Today we're uh, in Waterford, Pennsylvania, working with our partners at the French Creek Valley Conservancy. And uh, this is a really special well uh, for us and for them, located uh, on literally the banks of LaBeouf Creek. And uh, we've been working with this team since November of 2021, uh, evaluating the well to make sure that it fits kind of within our criteria, working with uh, our friends at the State Department, uh, Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection to uh, get all of the permitting paperwork in place, uh, selecting contractors. And then I've actually personally been out measuring this well since November to, uh, to just here in June. And so we've got a lot of robust data on the emission of this well. And uh, today it marks a really important milestone where we're plugging the well. And uh, so now we can kind of move through the life cycle and get ready for the restoration component. So kind of for background, could you talk about the broader issue that, that you're addressing both here mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania and beyond? Why are there so many <laughs> abandoned wells and what's to be done? Yeah, gosh, you know, the, the orphan and abandoned well story is one that uh, I had you know, no idea about uh, up until 2019 in July. 
um, where completely by accident, I happened across my first uh, orphan well in the state of Montana and simply couldn't believe what I saw. It was like, for me, it was overwhelming uh, to think that, you know, as an industry professional, that anybody uh, with a conscience would walk away and leave something like that behind. Um, that was on July 25th of uh, 2019, uh, up in Shelby, Montana, uh, about 15 miles south of the Canadian border. By the time I got back to Bozeman that night, I had learned a whole lot more about Orphan Wells. We'd actually had uh, named the organization, were obtaining, securing domain names and you know, going on the Secretary of State site. And so come to find out, you know, kind of through this process that the orphan and abandoned well issue has really been everybody's dirty little secret. And, you know, both from an industry perspective and a regulatory perspective. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is the landowners uh, typically get caught in the middle. They don't really have a lot of recourse with the split estate, so with the mineral rights being owned by somebody else other than the landowner. And so they're sort of left holding the bag. And <clears throat> so what we've really worked towards is, number one, is bringing more attention to the issue nationally and been very fortunate, uh, you know, in the amount of uh, interest that the, that the issue has been given. Um, you know, gosh, we'd sure love to say that, you know, we have some responsibility for the Biden administration embracing the problem. But of course, uh, anyway, but but what's happened over the years is that orphan wells um, are are sort of generated through um, in like attrition and and how that works. And by what I mean is that, you know, a well gets drilled you know, in its early days and it's robust and it's producing and, you know, it's, it's maybe owned by an oil major. And then after a while, the asset gets sold or transferred to a tier two player and then eventually to a tier three player. The well then starts to decline, the production depletes. Um, typically where we're working now are what are called uh, stripper fields, which a stripper field or a stripper well is like essentially at the end of its life cycle. So not very robust production. A lot of times the cost to produce that barrel of oil is extremely high just because so much work needs to go into keeping the thing going uh, and without a whole lot of production. And so what has happened is uh, and most of the wells we work on are you know up to 100 years old like the first well we plugged in Bradford PA was drilled in the 1880s so as you can imagine over so much time passing by and being handed down and handed down it sort of falls into the lap of like mom and pop oil and what happens at that point you know when some economic downturn occurs and the commodity price of crude oil inverts or goes uh, very low you know the businesses just can't survive any longer and so at that point then there are no longer uh, any responsible financially responsible parties uh, who can or need to plug the well so they become wards of the state and that's what's happened now the good news is the good news is is that 
after you know uh, uh, a little bit of this, the states, all of them, are really upping their games for financial assurance to make sure that that doesn't happen going forward. But the problem is now we're left with about 2.15 million legacy wells across the country, and there just simply isn't enough money. And and before the Biden administration had allocated this, you know, 4.7 billion, uh, which is great, but certainly isn't the silver bullet. Uh, the states really had no money, and so you know every state has their own individual program, and they were fighting to try to do the best they could, but we're losing the battle. So that's really was the driver behind the Well Done Foundation was to come up with a market-based approach of being able to fund the plugging abandonment work that needs to happen across the U.S. And so, um, you know, we are obviously a nonprofit, so we're very blessed and fortunate to have lots of corporate sponsors who help to underwrite our work. Um, but we've also uh, done uh, to really allow us and, and the whole industry to scale up is we have sponsored the first of its kind uh, carbon methodology or carbon credit methodology with the American Carbon Registry then with the intent and it's not done yet by the way so we're not you know we're not you know rolling in money by any means but with the intent behind that is that it would create uh, a funding stream that would help to kind of create a financial basis to to plug these wells and so we really believe that this is like a kind of an all of the above approach uh, to be able to get this work done. The, gosh, the problem, as, as you can imagine, is just overwhelming. When you think about it, when I first started thinking about it, that, that drive home from Shelby to Bozeman that night in July of 2019, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And, and that's really how we landed on, on the one well at a time approach because then at that point, you know, it seems like it's manageable. And what's exciting is that every single project that we do, just like here with the French Creek Valley Conservancy and the Martha Smith number one, is that every, every well project we do is a celebration. Um, what's great about this is that we can measure the gas before we plug the well for as much as six months. So we have a great understanding of what, that, uh, what the baseline is. And as soon as we're done plugging the well, the gas is gone. So it's literally gas on, gas off. So what a great, uh, what a great way to be able to show results for uh, those of us that are maybe attention challenged like myself. Sometimes it's nice uh, to be able to have a program that really produces these immediate results. So uh, could you talk a bit about your background then in the, in the industry? Sure. So uh, I've been fortunate to be involved in the oil and gas industry since the summer of 1982, uh, where I did my first hitch in the oil patch on Alaska's North Slope. Uh, I grew up in, in Anchorage and you know, for those of us at that time, you sort of was a bit of a rite of passage, you know, that you had to go to the slope and work. And uh, so ever since that time, I've had uh, all kinds of positions within the oil and gas industry. I spent uh, over 20 years in public service in the, in the ports side of things in the state of Washington, moving refined products and developing uh, transportation and logistics solutions for the oil and gas industry. Uh, I've spent time in North Dakota's Bakken running an oil and gas services company on the drilling and fracking side. 
and uh, and then started consulting on the transportation uh, component, you know, back to rail and and marine transportation, and, and that's literally what I was doing in the in the farmers' field in Montana in July of 2019. I was actually up there to talk to them about you know rail options to the Pacific Coast for their wheat and uh, peas, beans, and lentils. When I happened again by accident to trip over my first orphan well. And it was news to you at that time, even after this long career in the, in the industry, that, that this was such a big problem. Do you think it's well understood now? You know, I, I, and so, yes, absolutely. It was like a complete shock. Like I said, I, you know, I've been uh, across the country in lots of different fields from, you know, Texas to the Marcellus to the Bakken to the Alaska North Slope. I'd never seen anything like I saw that day in Montana. And, you know, so I go back to the fact that it was uh, very much underplayed. Uh, of course, the industry was a black eye to them, like they didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, the regulators, I mean, for them, it, it really didn't uh, show well that they had all of these orphan wells on their books. And uh, so, no, it was uh, very much uh, under-publicized, the, the problem was. And so there were folks kind of, you know, in little pockets across the country that were working on the issue. Like I said, I just happened to step in it. And, uh, and for me, it was really an inflection point, which was I can either, like, pretend I just didn't see that and keep on driving home, or I needed to follow my heart and actually do something. And that's, so I'm glad that I did. Um, you know, on any given day, it, I can reference it as either a blessing or a curse, I guess. Uh, you know, now it pretty much consumes uh, my 80 hours a week. Um, you know, we're working in seven states across the country. We've got, you know, hundreds of volunteers and people that are a part of the organization. So. Uh, you know, what an exciting time to be in this business. What all goes into a project like this and who's doing the work? Sure, so our, our um, the Well Done Foundation's um, business uh, strategy is to employ uh, local oil and gas uh, companies, service companies, and then people. And, and for a couple of different reasons, number one, they really are the local experts and understand not only the regulatory climate, but you know the what it takes to get around and, and do business in the areas. So, and it's also great for us because we're helping to create those local jobs. Um, we had, you know, to start with really no intention of, you know, having a bunch of equipment and personnel that we were having to manage across. And so it's been a really uh, great strategy for us. And this well here, in fact, we're using a local contractor, local, you know, in Pennsylvania, uh, out of Bradford, called by the name of Plants and Goodwin. And I've been working with Steve Plants and, and Luke Plants uh, in this orphan well space actually for you know, almost two years now and talking about different opportunities. They've been uh, very staunch advocates of uh, bringing attention to this and getting the work done. So we're excited to be able to launch our first project of many with them here on, on this project. I'm interested in the, the carbon credits piece too. Is the idea that you would, you have a revenue stream mm -hmm. now that you can just reinvest? Exactly. So the, the whole notion of uh, the carbon credit piece is to help to create an alternative funding uh, stream to, that will allow us to fund more work. 
Uh, because we are a nonprofit, we then can invest 100% of those dollars back into the effort. We don't need to worry about paying dividends or getting certain rates of return. I mean, we always like to make sure that we're not going inverted, but you know, every project is different. What is interesting, as we learned in this uh, orphan well piece, is not every well has enough carbon credits associated with it to be able to write the check for the project. For us then, what we do is we use a combination of carbon finance and our kind of our nonprofit approach to be able to fund the well. Uh, what's important with that is number one, we can do more work. We, more wells qualify, if you would, to be a part of our program. And, and secondarily, and maybe even more importantly, is the relationships that we have then with the landowners. Um, because uh, oftentimes when we're talking with landowners, uh, they're like, look, you know, we'll give you access to the property, but if you plug one, you're going to plug them all, right? You're not going to just come in here and high grade and leave me with a mess like I already have. I already have a mess. Look, if you're here to make it better, then we're good. And so that's really been an important differentiator about our, the, uh, you know, the Well Done Foundation's uh, business model is the ability to use that, those carbon credits. And, and the one thing about carbon credits that I've learned is that it's not necessarily a commodity. So one of the things that's important about a carbon credit and that helps to set the price is what's referred to as the charismatic story behind how the credit is generated. And you know, as I and our team were working on putting this together, I couldn't think of a more powerful or more important uh, charismatic story. Not that planting trees uh, isn't an important story or all of the other work that's happening. For me, it, this was just really clear. You know, it's easy for most people to connect the dots on gas on, gas off. It's a problem and, and now we're taking it away. So um, yeah, so that's where we're at. You know, we're still uh, you know, neck deep in this uh, carbon credit process with the American Carbon Registry. Uh, we actually, the Well Done Foundation, myself, um, kind of just got impatient. So we uh, trademarked uh, our own uh, version of the carbon credit uh, referred to now as a climate benefit unit. A CBU, and so we just started selling them uh, retail on our website. You know, we've generated almost uh, half a million uh, carbon offsets through our work. You know, this is our 21st well here, and so we felt that it was important to you know have an opportunity to number one uh, get the information out there, but then you know help to offset our car wash and bake sale program. Who's, who's buying those credits? Uh, you know, all kinds of really cool people, whether it's companies or just individuals looking to offset, you know, their own footprint or their family footprint. So, so that's been really encouraging to see that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the intent of the Well Done Foundation is not to be a carbon credit trading outfit. We're, we're really focused on what we do best on plugging orphan and abandoned wells. So, you know, as these credits become, uh, become finally certified and the program, you know, gets released to the world, <clears throat> we'll, we'll be working with third parties to do all that. The good news is, and the other side of why this program is important, 
is that this will encourage others then to get involved in this work too because it's all about getting the work done at the end of the day and, and using carbon credits as a vehicle to scale. So <clears throat> we're, you know, we don't look at it as competition, honestly, we look at it as coopetition and feel that's important and, and that our role in this industry as being an industry leader is to be able to give back uh, through the delivery, if you would, of this carbon credit methodology. And, and it seems like the other thing is you've, you've kind of found a way around a lot of the ugly political entanglements that you might trip uh, over otherwise. Right? For, for the Well Done Foundation, one of the, the approaches that we adopted early on in this is that we really need to stay on the high road for us it's you know whether you're a climate crusader or a climate denier you really can't look at this problem and think that it's just simply not the right thing to do and so we're not about pointing fingers and casting shade or laying blame we're just about doing the work and that's, I think, has really helped us to kind of stay out of some of those really slippery slopes. And that's what we hope, you know, others will do as well, is just focus on doing the work. And, you know, for me, it's been about, um, gosh, if we can use this as an example that, that maybe, um, you know, inspires other people to do something similar, then what an amazing, what an amazing, you know, delivery item at the end of the day or a result. And so, you know, gosh, if I can go out and do this, um, then there's no telling what others who are way smarter than me can, can do if we all just do something. And that's really been, for me, has been at the base of this is do something. It's not just about climate. We've, we're standing in front of this stream here that I imagine will benefit from having mm -hmm. this well plug. 100%. And we look at, you know, a project holistically. So for sure, for us, one of the things that's key with us is the emissions and what we're doing to help, you know, slow uh, climate change down. But you're absolutely right. Things like water quality, uh, things like livability are the social aspect of this are really important. You know, the well we just got done with in Cleveland, Ohio, was, you know, really big on the social side. I mean, it was right in the middle of a retirement complex, literally 30 feet from the nearest buildings. And so, yeah, I mean, it's we really have to look at each of these projects based on their merit. And this was one of the things that struck me about this project immediately. And I think that that's why uh, Josh and his team uh, took me on such a walkabout to get into this well at start, because you're absolutely right. The, you know, every one of these orphan wells um, is its own little ticking time bomb. Some are uh, very large, some are not as risky, but every one of them has a potential impact uh, to the environment of some sort. And this well was no exception. So realistically, this well uh, was well over 15,000 cubic feet of, of gas per day as we were measuring, actually much more than that. So think about what that is. That's roughly the equivalent, you know, on an annual basis of about 15 to 1600 automobiles that are coming off of the street. And so uh, that's a big deal. And so that's why, again, every one of these wells is its very own celebration. Curtis Shuck is founder and chairman of the Well Done Foundation, 
Learn more about them via the links you'll find in the show notes for this episode on the PEC website at pecpa.org. You can also see Well Done at Work last year in Northwestern PA in a video we put up on the PEC website. We'll link that in the episode description as well. While you're on the website, check out some of our past podcast episodes. All 180, some of them live on and are available to stream right there in your web browser, unless you prefer to subscribe via an app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the like, it's available there as well. Thanks to Josh Lewis and the French Creek Valley Conservancy for helping to make that video and this interview you just heard happen. And we'll also link you to the French Creek Valley Conservancy where you can learn more about the work they're doing up there in the northwestern part of the state. And that's all for this episode. We'll be back in about two weeks with more conversations about Pennsylvania's environment, outdoor recreation, conservation, energy and climate, and much more. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson. And thanks for listening. Music